0: Welcome to another episode of Fratello on Air. I'm Mike Stockton coming to you from Frankfurt on Main, Germany.
1: Guess who I am? Balash Renzi coming to you from Koswer, Germany.
0: Your voice sounds a little deeper today, Balash.
1: Yeah, I uh, worked on it all afternoon. I don't know. I can I can, <laughs> can play with it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> nah. I, uh, I haven't talked to anyone the whole day, pretty much. I, I had one meeting and that was uh, me being on mute with the camera off, so I don't have to talk to no one. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I guess, the morning voice. Yeah, well,
0: I was jabbering all day, for good or for bad,
1: so. There you go.
0: Um, yeah, so otherwise, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, man, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the amazing, the beautiful sunny weather in Germany.
0: <laughs>
1: so warm, and uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to uh, some sunshine now, and every time uh, the sun kind of peeks out behind the clouds. I'm out on the terrace, and then after probably 45 to 50 seconds, poof, it's gone, and then I'm back in my kind of the goose jackets trying to, you know, not to freeze myself to death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, nothing new. What about you guys? What's up in Frankfurt?
0: Not much, man. I picked up my uh, bicycle last uh, Saturday, so... Hmm. Yeah, that was cool. And then I ordered some things, um, you know, a bicycle is like any sport, uh, like golf or it's just like the bicycle is just the beginning, you know? Oh, yeah. And, but I, I found this is one of those rare cases where compared to the US, actually, Europe is pretty good on bike stuff. I mean, there's a lot of companies, of course, a lot of the companies are European and you get some good deals on things, especially... You know, just like golf or anything else, if you buy last mm-hmm. season's whatever, which um, is usually just a color difference or something, you get a good deal like on shoes or whatever. So I yeah. am going to go out and use that bike this weekend for the first time.
1: So nice, nice. Yeah, provided, yeah I mean, the-
0: provided there isn't hur- hurricane force winds or whatever they were calling <laughs> for today.
1: Which, which is not even that funny because that's actually the last few days, right? You got these warnings as well, like, yeah, very very strong winter. Obviously not hurricanes, but pretty strong wind. Uh, every well, even uh, not now, but a, a few hours earlier, even yeah. today it was pretty windy for for a bike ride. But yeah, I mean you have countries, man, that are running on uh, on bikes and not cars anymore. Just think of our homeland, the Netherlands. So That's right. uh, I guess yeah, there's a lot of European companies, uh, German companies, I guess, and uh, also perhaps the market is bigger because the us is not really a, a, Biking. a yeah bicycle friendly country when it comes to um while well, traveling or commuting to work and things like that absolutely so, uh, yeah, yeah yeah cool that's that's a nice new hobby
0: so yeah so that's fun and um so yeah so so today's episode we um did not get a reader suggestion which is fine and mm-hmm. What we've decided we're going to do going forward, uh, or at least have this as sort of a standby topic, is we're just going to pick a brand and we've decided we'll go from mainstream to, you know, brand that's no longer alive or whatever, and talk about our two or three favorite models each from that brand's history. So if you're somebody maybe who is getting into vintage and don't know a lot about a certain brand we're certainly not going to sit here and puke out a history on a brand but we are going to talk about what we think are our favorite models and in some cases they won't be the most popular ones they'll just be
1: mm.
0: ones that we like right
1: yeah absolutely and I guess the the aim is vintage as you said not only because we love vintage but also because new stuff you can get wherever whenever uh, you just go online and look for the brand and you see their latest collection but Uh, that's easy but there are so many awesome models from many many brands from the 90s 80s 70s and 60s that you might not know um so i think it's worth to to shine a bit of light on those pieces and um yeah you want to maybe introduce the the model um or the actually not the model sorry but the brand for today
0: sure the brand is tiso boom boom but first
1: yeah yeah
0: we've got handgelenks controller and we have a couple little news pieces mm-hmm. um, one of them i didn't even tell you about so i'm just going to get your view mm. off the cuff and i'm not even sure if you if you saw it today so i may hit you very cold with this excited um shall we do the handgelenks controller first
1: yeah why not why don't you tell me what you're wearing on your handgelenks today
0: well I showed it to you earlier, uh, when we were chatting and today ah, I,
1: yes, yes, I,
0: yes. yeah, I, I have on my galley decimal and yes, <clears throat> I won't say why, um, I put it on, but regardless, I thought of you when I put it on today and this was a really fun watch. I, I tell the story somewhat frequently. This was kind of like the last, I feel like this was the last deal I got on eBay where somebody put something on that you know, they were just throwing up there and I wrote two articles about it sort of a before and after it was serviced called Mm -hmm. restored. And I remember when the watch was listed, I was, I was moving from Pennsylvania to Germany. So I was packing up my house and I was sitting there in the uh, front room of the old house and I was just tired, you know, and I, and I thought, all right, I'm going to go grab some lunch, but first I'm just going to get online, check my mail, and cruise ebay and Mm. (laughs) i i did my vintage chronograph search at the time and this galet popped up and i could see it was on its original strap i could see the the crystals cracked but the watch looked impeccable otherwise so it looked like it had been thrown in a drawer or something and it, it didn't work so i sent the guy a note and uh you know i was like checking my phone while i was at subway or something and he writes back and I, and I said, Hey, you know, I'd like to make an offer on the watch. And it was like a couple thousand bucks I offered, which was, you know, not cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't stealing it or anything, but I thought, all right, that's that's fair needed work. And I didn't know what was going to be inside, but he, he wrote back, he must've written back three times saying, you want to pay me $2,000 for a broken watch. And I said, yes, I do. And he said, you're really sure? He says, it doesn't work. And I said, yes, I'm really sure. I said, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyhow, we ended up uh, doing the deal. And, um, you know, the watch wasn't wasn't terrible to fix. It was really fixable. And, uh, you know, getting a crystal to fit it was no problem. And it's a beautiful watch. It's really spotless. And um, I wear it on the Forstner clip, which is a really cool bracelet for it. Um, the thing I will note about it is the hands are longer than they should be for this model, but we have seen some examples of <clears throat> watches with hands that would fit on the larger case size that Galay made. And I, I, I don't know what the reason is. All I can say is that the minutes hand, uh, usually stops at the, uh, uh minutes track. And here it goes out to the decimal track, which I guess would be, um, uh, more useful if you were a person using that decimal timing so regardless it's a neat watch it was a cool story and i'm glad i own it
1: no absolutely yeah, It just you, i even forgot about it but you showed me um but the reason you're wearing it is not because of the reason that's connected to me is it yeah it is it is okay cool yeah we'll talk about that maybe in a, a future in a episode yeah episode yeah, yeah yeah um yeah that's that's actually a, a a beautiful watch I have to say and um, as we chatted about that i I really love these uh the fonts and the the mm. the typography on the dial with these sevens and fours if you guys know um what the movement is inside obviously it's i think it's connected to i I really have no idea but I think it's connected to that because whenever i see a, a watch with an Excelsior park movement whether that's an Excelsior park branded one a Galet branded one or something else <clears throat> oftentimes you see these very special sevens right the seven that looks like a like an upside down 2 basically yeah um and that's that to me that's the dead that giveaway that the movement inside is what it is um just a a quick question actually uh what is the um the what is a decimal uh, timer? Like, what is that important? What, what was it used for back in the day?
0: So I think when um, you're looking at, I want to say, you know, back in the day, and, and I mean, still to some degree, you know, a lot of stopwatches and things were sold for people who were out there timing piecework. So if you had a factory where somebody was paid by what they produced or you were looking at a process and you're really timing how long it got, you know, took to, to get it done, mm mm-hmm people found it easier to divide time, you know, base 10 by 100 versus 60 and then converting it over to something that's easily understood. So, yeah, decimal timing is essentially that. It's just another it, it, just thing about measuring time somewhat differently and it just allows for easier translation for processes and improving processes and things like
1: that so what do you think a person in the what is the 60s i would say right late, maybe early to mid 60s um or or so um a person who bought this watch in in the 60s um for specifically for the the, the complication what profession do you can you imagine this this guy would do like for example the ex-owner who, whom you bought the watch from
0: well um the ex owner didn't know anything about it, so I don't know what where he got it. It was in Indiana, um, mm-hmm. and I think it was like an estate he just bought out. But I can tell you, you know from experience, my grandfather, for example, worked in the textiles industry, and mm-hmm. this was back in the day when that stuff was actually made in the u s and he would go to factories and have his stopwatch and time different uh, processes and look for either improvements or, you know, try to set a standard for how long something should actually take. Kind of like was,
1: controlling. Or- yeah.
0: Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. and then that's what you would use for your costing to sort of say, well, here's the average it's going to take to make this shirt, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. yeah, so probably something like that or some manufacturing process where you're measuring time and, Setting those processes. Uh I think I've got a my Mylon uh chronograph is similar. And if you look up that company, watches really weren't their thing. So they offered a lot of stopwatches with decimal timers on them. And I think they just figured, well, might as well offer a watch to kill two birds with one stone, right?
1: Right, right. Funny, you should mention melon because we may or may not no pun intended may or may not get back <laughs> to melon uh, at a later stage in this podcast, so uh there's a bit of a teaser for you guys, but that's a very cool watch yeah yeah it's thanks. an interesting, interesting story I love it and what about um, you? yeah, so I tried to <clears throat> I was thinking about the topic for today and, and also I have an article to write about this which I still haven't done so sorry Nacho sure it's coming uh, but um, that made me think about some of the pieces that I own and a Tissot would have been too easy I I told you off camera or off microphone that I I've thought about putting on my navigator but instead I put on something else which is it is and it isn't a Tissot. Well, it isn't a Tissot. It's a Lemania, but it's a vintage uh, Lemania um, a chronograph with um, a very similar look to what what Tissot also produced back in the day and what I also picked um, for one of my favorite pieces. So this is a really small 35 millimeter steel um, uh, Lemania with um, sword hands, um, it's a three register, so it's a 369 register chronograph with two pump pushers, and it's the um, reference 174. I wrote an article also about this probably two, three years ago for Fratello, so you guys can find it. What period it's, is that? Era, uh, it's a 40s. Yeah, it's it's 40s. Um, nice. So this is basically, and I, I don't want to say too much about this because uh as i said if i talk about this i kind of talk about the the piece i also picked but <clears throat> um but it's 40s uh, early to mid 40s and that's why the size is quite small it it's a manual wind obviously like uh like uh, most lemanias but with a screw uh, down case back and big sword hands and it's not as i you know i my wrist is large it's not the uh, I guess maybe not the nicest looking piece on my wrist because it's really small, it's really tiny, but uh, but it's pretty thick, so it gives a bit of heft to the watch, and and I, I quite like it. From time to time, I wear it, and it has this beautiful, even uh, brown patina. I would think that back in the day, this watch was probably white or had a silver dial, um, but thanks to the the time, maybe the the production process, or maybe even the the lume on it, so the the radium on it, it turned into this caramel brown, um, more or less even uh, color. So, um, yeah, it's a it's oh, it's a great. lovely, lovely little piece. Yeah,
0: no, it's a gorgeous piece, and you've done really okay. well to pick up a lot of these types of watches. Uh, I I have a question for you because you own a lot of watches from that era with a lot of radium. Mm. Well, I wouldn't say it's as much as a question as maybe a, a tip and mm. I for whatever reason, maybe I just wasn't looking it up correctly, but when I was in the US I ordered on Amazon and I, I brought it back on this trip but I ordered a uh, a film bag, a lead lined film bag mm-hmm. and it, it just looks like a pouch with a, a velcro closure and it's meant to protect film through x-rays and <clears throat> but I was reading that not not a bad place to store your radium watches and okay. just wondering if you've if you've got one of those i mean never, we hear every so often well. that yeah people people have effects from these things so
1: yeah it's a it's a good idea if i i i don't mind if you send me the link that uh, or, or an amazon link or whatever or maybe put it in the show notes no i never thought about it but to be honest i don't really travel with these watches anymore as i said um like i used to and the ones that i used for traveling they're more tritium uh, rather than radium but in any case i think uh when it comes to you know putting your hard-earned money and a lot of it into these watches you have to take care of them as much as possible and whether that means servicing or putting them in a safe or or insuring them or or getting this back whatever it takes so uh, i'm always um open to new ideas and tips so uh uh, thanks a lot for that
0: yeah i mean it's it's really more about uh, personal protection and like if you have it in a safe or something and in an enclosed space and it's just sitting there you know there's no air circulating in there so the thought is that you, you shield a bit and uh yeah whether it whether it truly helps or not i've done some reading and i mean it just depends how much radium is on there and that kind of thing but i figure it can't hurt so and it was mm. i don't know 20 30 bucks you know it's not an expensive investment so yeah
1: good tip good tip
0: so cool well maybe a couple quick news pieces yeah so mine i woke up this morning and there was a uh, a note from seiko in my email as is Increasingly common these days because they seem to release something on a near weekly basis. Um, and I, I joke about that, but I think it's always been the case. They're just more global now. Uh, hmm. I saw they they released this Brian May watch in like a gold plate now, and uh, I just have to say I don't like that watch. I find it really cheesy and. You know, G2 on our team, he has the steel one and he loves it. And they made 8,500 of those and they sold remarkably quickly. And I just have to say, you know, when you're a collector and, and 8,500 8, is is a lot of watches, uh, but whatever, you know, let's say you missed out and then you, you got one and you probably paid over. And, and then they they come out with... Literally an identical version, just with a gold-plated case, and they make twelve thousand five hundred of them. It just feels so. <laughs> it doesn't feel right, and, and I know it's for charity, and that's cool, but man, it, <laughs> I, I, I just had a lot of thoughts going through my head when I when I saw that this morning.
1: Yeah, we we I think we talked about this. <clears throat> excuse me, the last time or or before that uh it's very very difficult to keep up with psycho these days and and see what they're doing and and obviously why they're doing it and I guess we will never know that, but um, yeah, I saw your picture um uh, in the chat it's also not my favorite watch but um and also Brian may is not my favorite guitar player. I'm sorry, but that's yeah that's a, another story uh yeah. I'm yeah. not sure if not sure uh what's the the reason behind it, other than as you said charity and it's it's always great if well, if you're trying okay. to raise awareness for something
0: and to sell twelve thousand five hundred watches i guess uh but i I just think some of these moves I feel like are they're controversial at least towards collectors and especially when the watch looks so similar i mean if they'd made like a second edition watch and changed the dial quite a bit okay uh but <laughs> Yeah, it just it reminds me back in the day when Panerai, you know, had some great limited edition pieces that literally in the the early 2000s or mid 2000s people just just absolutely went gaga over and then when things started to slow down for them a bit they they started basically coming out with them as regular models okay, maybe with a different movement, but it was just sort of a kick to the teeth, you know.
1: Mm. And it was a nice uh a nice subtle pun. They went Gaga, like Radio Gaga.
0: Oh, that was a good <laughs> one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> so, so moving on. What what is your non-watch related news you wanted to yeah. share with
1: us? Um, I don't know if you uh, you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I, I know you listen to a lot of uh, true crime and stuff, or at least you used to, because you 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 suggested me a bunch of them, and they were really fun. And actually, you you basically put me on podcasts. I've never really done that. Uh, I, I had not been a podcast guy before, but so since then, I'm you know I'm listening to crime and whatever, and and from time to time I I tune into Joe Rogan. And um, I have to say 90% of the time, I don't even know who he's talking to, but this time he was talking to Oliver Stone. And oh, of course I, okay. I know Oliver Stone. It's not it's not one of those typical Joe Rogan podcasts because they are like four or five hours long sometimes and it's crazy. But this is like an hour or maybe two hours long and that's not even the important thing. Um, he was there, uh, Oliver Stone was there to talk about his at the time this is end of 2021 i think new movie or documentary actually maybe you've seen it it's called jfk revisited oh no i haven't through the looking glass cool neat so yeah so i guess you obviously know that oliver stone made the movie jfk back in ninety one, ninety two, something like that with kevin costner etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. and so but that was like a a feature film right that was about the 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 story of JFK and whatever, and this one JFK revisited is basically a documentary about the whole assassination, um, and this is a topic that's been discussed millions of, times, of right. times, Yeah. books written about it, documentaries, whatnot. But um, so I'm not pro or contra. I don't know whether he's right or wrong. It's not up to me to decide, and and I really don't care. But I've started. Well, it's on Showtime. Uh, okay. And I've started watching it and it's pretty nicely put together. And I have to say, I really enjoy, you know, when you're used to Netflix documentaries and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with them, but after you watched four, five, six of these documentaries or documentary series, you kind of know the, the Netflix style, Sure, I call it. This is very different from that.
0: And it is many, similar. How many episodes is it?
1: It's one. It's one movie. It's a two hour movie. Oh, okay. One okay. hour. Uh, one hour and 58 minutes. Um, and um, yeah, which would be uh, four episodes on Netflix, obviously, with some some filling uh, scenes and stuff. So you know, this is really nicely done. And um, I'm not too deep into this topic. I've seen some documentaries. I know yeah. what happened in Dallas and whatnot, but I'm really not deep into this. And for someone who's an expert, they probably say, bah, this is BS or, you know, that's not how it was. For me, is what I'm saying, for me, it was um, a very uh, interesting and entertaining documentary. And I haven't finished yet. I, I think I've seen an hour so far. So, um, yeah, I if you haven't seen it, and I guess you like stuff like that, uh, Mike, at least you do, um, just um, check it out, JFK Revisited Through the Looking Glass.
0: Yeah, if I, if I can't find it over here, then next time in the US, I'll... I'll watch it. I, uh, it is a fascinating topic. And of course, growing up in the U S you know, anytime there was an, you know, the anniversary of his assassination, you know, on mm-hmm. like, a, I I mean, I remember the, uh, 25th anniversary. And so on one of those, uh, dates that, you know, or the, the years that ends in a five or a zero, they, they would really have a lot of different, uh, shows on. and. Yeah, just riveting stuff, and and I think obviously just such a pivotal point in history. Um, a lot of next, things going yeah. on at that period, yeah. of course.
1: And next year is another anniversary, right? Because it was sixty-three, November the twenty-second, nineteen sixty-three. If I'm yeah. correct, yeah. So next year is a uh, sixtieth anniversary of the, which is assassination, just, and it's yeah,
0: it's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's um, you know you have those moments and and time. You know, they always say people you ask they well, they know where they were and mm-hmm. it's that one. I mean, my parents can tell you exactly. It's uh for me the Challenger, uh, space mm-hmm. shuttle, and obviously September eleventh was a big one mm-hmm. as well. And and I'm sure for you, yeah. coming from a different place there are other other things. I, I imagine in Europe, uh yeah. Russia and, and some of the fall of of some yeah. of the things.
1: So yeah, that also, but also 9/11, of course. This was this was. Um, I have to oh, say, oh. I was living in a, yeah, I was living in a in a, a school like a. Where I was at a private like a dormitory, private school, whatever. So we were sheltered from these things, but even for us, it was a uh, pretty big news. Obviously, like everybody else, but yeah, yeah. In any cool. case, uh, it's a it's a nice documentary. I think so. You guys should so, check it out.
0: So do we want to talk a little bit about Tiso?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you kick off with? with your pick if you want.
0: Yeah, maybe just a little bit background because I always find it interesting about Tissot. I mean, this is a a truly historic brand. I look today and I think it's 1853 uh, when they were founded. And of course, pocket watches and those types of things uh, for for a long, long time. And it was way, way back in 1930 that um, Omega took them over. So a long time ago. And of course, now both are under the the watchful eye of the Swatch Group. And um, TISO has always been a uh, lower cost uh, watch versus Omega. And, you know, we were chatting a little bit before the show because you're going to talk about much earlier pieces than I will. And I think what, what we, I don't want to say discovered, but basically came to is that you know, in the early days, column wheel movements were really the choice when it came to chronographs. And it wasn't really until companies like Landeron. And then of course the others followed with cam actuated chronographs, Mm -hmm. which were much cheaper, much easier to put together. I mean, a column wheel is a, is a tough, uh, mechanism to, to work on. And therefore you've got this really early period of TISO on the, uh, chronograph side that is kind of neck and neck with Omega. Maybe if you held them up as new, there, there would be some finishing differences, but as things go on later, uh, we noticed that Tiso's movements got a little bit more workmanlike versus what Omega was using. And then honestly, they kind of came back together in the seventies when I think everybody was having a tough time, right? So Yeah, uh, it's interesting how how it how it goes. But for certain, tiso has always been marketed as a rung below Omega, but that doesn't that that has not stopped them from making some pretty fascinating watches. And I think certainly for those people who are interested in Omega and and some other models, tiso is a nice alternative. And like I said, in certain periods, they're neck and neck. So and and Mm -hmm. the pricing is usually still quite a bit different so
1: yeah i mean uh you you mentioned 1930 when uh, ssih was created and this was many people call it the, the predecessor of the swatch group right because this was a an alliance that that uh, was formed in in geneva by tissot and omega mm. and then in 1932 so 2 years later lemania was also Come joined and that, that was obviously the uh, a pivotal moment for this group because Lemania then became almost exclusive, exclusively the the movement uh, provider for these brands and if it wasn't for Lemania there wouldn't be a three twenty one yeah. and wouldn't there wouldn't be, be a Speedmaster movement and there wouldn't be any other, many many other movements so um, a lot of these watches that came from the thirties and forties and fifties were either co branded Tissot Omega. Or they were very, very similar. You would have an Omega version and you would have a very similar case and dial and obviously movement, as I said, and a Tissot version and even a Lemania version. So, And and then this this SSIH, uh, societe suisse Pool Suisse-Pol-Industrie-Rollagerie, is what, again, as many call the, the, the predecessor <sighs> of Swatch yeah. Group. Yeah.
0: It's like the General Motors of uh, of watches, right? You've Kinda, got, yeah. got something for your every budget, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah. cool. Well, I, you know, and, and as much as we were talking about the 30s, I'm going to jump forward many decades to what is, for whatever reason, the the TESO that sticks out of my mind most. And and again, the purpose of these episodes is just to highlight some some watches that we really enjoy and. Give you give you something to look at if you're if you're out there uh, starting in the vintage world or if you're thinking about looking into another brand and the watch that I really think of when I think of Tissot is the Tissot T12 C Star Chronograph and the reference number is four hundred five oh five and this is known as the UFO mm-hmm. so it is a very 70s looking case it is perfectly round lugless and comes in yeah somewhere just shy of 44 millimeters all the way around but because it Huge. doesn't have lugs yeah it, it 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 wears much nicer than than that sounds but yeah it's a big it's a big case it's a lot of metal and kind of a comparatively small dial actually um it's a neat watch for many reasons. I think. For, first off, it's it's sporty, uh, so it's it's not a dress watch, and it's certainly of the area with the colors. There's you know some, I guess you'd call it like chartreuse and 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 some funky colors like that. There are diamond shaped uh, sub dial hands and wild indices that have a lot of uh, height to them that are applied to that dial, and. <clears throat> but but there are some really nice touches to it. I mean, first off, it's a manual wind watch. Uh, so again, early seventies, and it uses the um, what they call yeah the Lemania eight seven three, which is exactly the same as the Omega eight sixty one found in the Speedmaster. And it also comes on a really nice Gay Frères bracelet, which I, th- I think a negative of the watch is that it really is integrated and. Yeah, you, know, you take that bracelet off and you kind of have to custom fit a leather strap to it. So it uh it basically deserves to be on the bracelet. And the the case uh as is the as is the case Balash for many <laughs> Omega and uh Tissot watches of the era was made by EPSA. So mm. if you pop the uh snapback there's the little helmet in there. It's not a compressor, but it is. Uh, it is made by EPSA and really a, a cool, cool watch. And I would say it was one of the earliest articles I wrote for for Tello. I actually put this next to a Seiko chronograph from the same era that is also called the UFO. So it just was a sort of era specific article. And I picked mine up. I remember it was like at a Frankfurt um, watch meet that. Uh, it, was a, it was a dealer there, and I th- I think I paid six hundred euros for it. And all that being said, today you can still find these for you know twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, maybe more if it's absolutely perfect or something. But plenty of them out there. It, it's a somewhat polarizing style, but I think uh, again, wears wears pretty darn well, and is one of my favorites. And, and I should say, as an aside, this this UFO case. They did make a collection around it. So there's a three-hander, there's a kind of a world timer. There's also, a, I believe, like a, a, a GMT-type model as well, some with, with uh, twin crowns. So there are even cheaper options if you like the style than the chronograph. But for me, that is it's what I think of when I think of Tissot. It's the first watch I think of.
1: Yeah, this is a, a case size or a case shape rather than, that obviously a lot of companies used in the 70s and six, late 60s and 70s and um i also had one for a while i think i sold it a, a while ago because it was funnily enough too big I, I could not get used to the size it was on a strap mm. and it was just um it was just funny to look at it because the the bezel is so thick i mean it's so wide that's why you said that the dial is the dial is small actually the dial is the same size as all the other models but obviously because of the case yeah, it looks big small. yeah the bezel is huge it's i don't know how how wide it is but it's pretty wide and so i i always and i guess that's what the the, the ufo comes from because it really looks like uh, this round Farm UFO Saucer, with the, right? mm-hmm, exactly with the, the the square indexes so um what about you yeah I got I got rid of mine, but I like this one and I like the I like I like funky seventies watches. And um one of the actually this is the last one on my list, but then I'll I'll bring that up. Um one of the the watches that I picked is actually not one single watch, but it's more of a model line, and that's the PR five one six line or five sixteen line. Now if you Google PR five sixteen, you might come across vintage ads, magazine ads. And those magazine ads feature guess what this watch, like your watch and its other versions the 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 GMT versions and the p r uh, 516s so they came out roughly around the same time. And if you look at the 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 dials so or the dial designs and the hands obviously, are pretty much the same. The only difference is that uh, the case is much smaller. Um, now I'm, I'm looking at some of the chronographs, the PR516 chronographs, um, which had a much smaller case. Um, there's the 40 or um, 40508 version, um, which has a, a black uh, Tahi bezel and it's a 2 subdial, three and 9 subdial chronograph with a C-star at the six. Uh, that's a, a pretty sweet watch. But you also can get the... Pr five sixteen in just normal time only versions in in a bunch of different colors and from Milanese bracelets to leather straps to the typical metal Tissot racing bracelet with the holes uh, in them you know so um, there's really a, a bunch of versions um, if if I had to choose I would probably choose the 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 forty or the four oh five oh eight the chronograph version the two sub chronograph version. Mm. But um, yeah, there's also the 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 PR five sixteen visor date, which has a date feature and the bezel, a sixty minute bezel. Oh, nice. um, there's a PR five sixteen um, with the the f- uh, four six six seven two reference with an integrated bracelet. So there are so many models, and there's also a three sub dial chronograph, the PR five sixteen forty five twenty eight. Or four oh five twenty eight, which has a uh, the smiling dial, so the three, six, and nine um, uh, chronograph layout. So really, a bunch of versions, and and I think each and every one of them in this line is is f- funny and interesting and exciting in its own its own way. So and and very similar in style to yours, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and like the, the these are sized, I think you know far more uh, they're far more wearable, let's say, and. The chronographs I always like the colors I was so close so many times to buying one of these, and forever in a day you could pick the chronographs up for six hundred bucks or something I still think they're they're quite reasonable, aren't they yeah, it depends it, on the model I guess
1: it depends on the model and depends on obviously condition but I would say probably around eight hundred to Maybe twelve, fourteen, fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. I would not pay more than that, to be honest. That that's just me. Yeah. Um, but but and and we're talking about the chronographs now. Obviously, not the time only versions, but um they are small, they have, however, uh lock holes, which is pretty cool, I think, because in the 70s that was not really the thing anymore, right? And even in the maybe in the late sixties to have have these tiny, you know, touch of little details that we vintage guys love mm-hmm. um but they did they did have those and um, the movement as you said the lemania 1277 or or 870 whatever um in the chronograph so yeah they're they're excellent pieces
0: yeah and i even looked at you know they make some models that are very plain like three three hand or with three end date and with a integrated bracelet if i'm not mistaken and Mm -hmm. those watches here again they've i'm sure they've come up just with the interest in that type of watch but (sighs) you could find these things for 150 200 bucks all day long and
1: yeah and you have the one that was actually worn by james bond so um um, oh jesus not sean connery but roger Roger Moore. moore thank you yes roger moore um in one of the movies so it's it actually made it to the silver screen so pretty yeah. cool for a time only little Tisso from the, the the early 70s i guess yeah it
0: is cool and like i say those uh chronographs if i'm not mistaken some of those uh outer tacky bezels are are colorful uh, like blue and red and things like that and some really cool colors on these watches
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And black and white on the the chronograph. Sometimes you have this electric blue dial on the time only pieces as well. Some of the, the the chronos that I mentioned have this tiny light blue uh, parts of the subdial. The other ones had red. So uh, reverse panda. Um, most of them or just black on black gold plated too. Gold plated too. Yeah. Um, so really, a, a ton of models to choose from. Well, it's
0: a great choice. It really is. Thank and you. I think here again, you know, getting a chronograph, if that's your thing, you don't, you don't have to apologize to anybody wearing one of these to, uh, go to a car meet or if you're into that or a race or whatever, uh, these watches fit in, you know, they're, they're really, and it's a great name Tissot. So,
1: yeah, not at all. Yeah. I
0: always like that about it. It's a recognizable name. Um, well, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, no, uh, maybe it's a surprise. I don't know, but for me, all my watches are going to be chronographs, and the next one I pick is gonna, <laughs> gonna move out of character a little bit. And this is a really rare bird. Uh, this is the Tissot Navigator 817, and this is a '70s piece that really looks like a military issued chronograph, and I believe it was built to the Type XX standard. Uh, for the 70s so Breitling made a watch like this that actually was used and I think we were talking and what it, was it for an Italian helicopter unit or something I, I or... had one
1: of those many, ah, yeah many you, years did. Ago. you did you yeah, did have I one, had one you're one right I remember yeah that uh, that went into the GMT <laughs> my no. GMT 1675 yeah um, mm-hmm. I think I can't remember correctly but I think indeed it was military helicopter pilots mm-hmm. in Italy so okay. not police and and what and not not uh, jets or whatever planes but military helicopter if i'm not mistaken but i'm not 100% sure but yes that's the style we're talking about
0: yeah so you know outer bezel rotating bezel twin register in this case uh using the 872 Lamania, so a, a twin uh or I guess Lamania twelve seventy seven. If I'm not yes.
1: mistaken, it's the same as the as the Tissot PR uh, five sixteen that we just talked about.
0: Yeah, so basically a twin version of the eight sixty one, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so you know, nothing fancy there. Forty one millimeters, and these watches. I think you and I have seen a couple of them come up with uh with some friends that that we kind of pal around with, and back in the day you know, they, they've always been expensive. Uh, they don't come up frequently, but you know, they used to be, if you got lucky somewhere around the 5k mark and now it's, uh, that ship has sailed. I feel like these are eight to $10,000 watches and they just barely come up. Um, yeah. Funny, funny enough. I had the chance to see one f- for the first time ever live when I was in Florida a few weeks ago at the the Miami antique show, uh, Adam mm-hmm. from mental watches had one in the case and it's a super cool watch. It, it is. Um, I think if you're a collector of military type watches, then you probably need this watch. It, it just sort of rounds out the collection. If you're not, uh, there are a lot of options. None of them being, none of them are cheap. That's the issue. Uh, But some people might actually kind of put this in a, in a little bit of a a weird corner because again, I don't think that it was issued. So yeah, it, 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 it's, it's just a strange piece from Tiso, who was making really consumer models and you know, it shows at some point in the '70s these companies were clearly just looking to do whatever they could uh, to to survive, right?
1: Right, and I think you had the same model or, or the same looks in a Lemania uh, branded model as well, and yes. also Chronograph Swiss. Uh, so I don't know if those were were used by the military, but um, yeah, and it's it's true, truly interesting, as I said, that it's the same brand, it's the same movement. Okay, not the same hands in the same case shape, but but you know, virtually the same guts, so to speak, as the six or seven hundred euro PR five sixteen. Yeah, same era, same same company, same uh, probably same uh, um, um, suppliers for Tissot, and yeah. such a big difference in price.
0: Yeah, so th- this watch just feels like to me the kind of watch that. I bet didn't sell very well and I'm sure they didn't make many and it's just sort of one of those random things where maybe somebody liked it and bought it and you know you could stumble upon one one day at a flea market or whatever Mm -hmm. I I have no clue but it's it is a rare bird for sure and uh, I just I just thought it was an interesting one to bring
1: up because it is it's yeah. a very cool one it's a very cool one but it, and it's also a bit funny because i sometimes flip when i see black chronographs being offered as military chronograph and this is <laughs> this is a prime example of stupidity when people say it's a military dial a military it's not a military chronograph man as far as we know yeah or if anything is then it's this one but not your Landeron 200 euro chronograph just because it has a black dial you, you all of a sudden call it military but
0: and, and arabic yeah. numerals right so exactly yeah. yeah it's a
1: cool piece very very cool piece i'd love to love to see one and i haven't seen one, i think yeah everybody well, uh, had the
0: breitling so that was yeah. pretty representative so that was a yeah. cool watch too
1: true true awesome
0: what do you got next
1: um okay let's let's go back uh in time to the 40s, um, and this is actually uh, this is the watch I talked about before, and this is not my this is the oldest watch that that is in my in my top three. Um, when I did the well, when we did the the wrist check, uh, we talked about or I talked about this this Lemania that I was wearing. So um, it's a vintage chronograph. And granted, it's not going to be the cheapest one. Um, probably one of the most nah, behind us, uh, eight seventeen Tissot, um, the second most expensive, I guess. Um, so back in the day, back in the thirties and in the forties, rather, when when SSIH was formed, as I said, many uh, models came out with different names, Omega, Tissot, or Lemania, but they looked virtually the same, and this model. Uh, is the Tissot reference 6216 is virtually the same as the Lemania that I'm wearing, the 174, or the Omega 2451. So if you Google these three models, and Mike, I invite you to do that, uh, or if you haven't haven't done it but you might have seen the Lemania and the Fratello article and Thomas wrote an article about the 6216, But if you Google the 2451 Omega, it's virtually the same case. It's the same uh, sword hands, same dial layout, same font on the dial. The only difference is pretty much the the brand name. And the price. (laughs) Yeah, and the price, yeah. So this is a 35-millimeter steel case, drilled lock holes. um, As I said, often sword hands. I'm not sure if it was exclusively sword hands, but most of them. And the movement in all of these three was the 321 predecessor, the Lemania 27 Crow.
0: Mm.
1: Now, there's a bunch of numbers and a bunch of names. Um, In essence, all of these different calibers are based on the Lemania 27 Crow, um, which is obviously uh, 27 because it's a 27-millimeter movement, Crow because it's chronograph, and C12 because there's a 12-hour movement. register at the six o'clock position um and then this is where we come back to what you were talking earlier about your melon because i found actually a melon three register chronograph with the exact same lemania caliber Hmm. the 27 crow c12 um aka lemania 2310 or 2520 wow and um it's it's the same size. It's a um, pump pushers as well. A bit, the case is a bit different. So the watch is, the Melon is not exactly the same, but the movement is the same. The size is the same, and um, it just gives me the same vibe as as these pieces.
0: Did you did you uh, land that, or is that just a watch you you stumbled upon just when doing research? The Melon. Yeah.
1: No, I just yeah, I just found it while I was while I was researching for okay. for this one. I have the 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 Lemania version and I have the Omega version. I don't have the Tissot wow. uh, yet, um, but yeah, this is a a lovely piece. As I said, a bit expensive, even as a Tissot model. Lemania is maybe the cheapest. Tissot is in the mid range, and then Omegas are obviously crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. And um, they are small. They're they're a bit. Uh, maybe fragile or at least compared to modern pieces, but they are, they are a lot of watch for the money.
0: Yeah. I, I I think one other thing, and and it's just bringing it up about Tissot pieces from this period. And and even a bit later, I think that they have one of the greatest signatures on the dial ever. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's and, really classy. Yeah,
1: and if you, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I wrote an article about my Tissot anti-magnetic watch, uh, which is on Fretello. And if you Google, or if you search for that that watch or that article on Fretello, you'll find a picture that I received from Tissot, which shows each and every Tissot logo, from the very first one to the very last one. Ah, so I if remember you that get, article. Yeah. Right, so if you get a catalog or a box or God forbid a watch and you cannot date it because the serial number is missing or whatever the case may be, when you look at the logo, you can pretty much tell if that logo is from 54 or 57 or whatever the case may be. There are, I think, uh, maybe 15 different different logos i am not sure but um there's a bunch we can i guess we can put it in the show notes yeah uh,
0: we'll do that we'll do that
1: um, yeah i got this from uh when i was doing research for the for the um uh, the um anti-magnetic watches i got a bunch of information from t thanks to pim cool um so shout out to pim and um one of that was this this chart or this 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 picture so it goes back to 1880 and then i just have it in front of me and then it goes to uh, 1999 but then you have 1921 24 31 34 36 another 36 49 so all the different logos and types and and whatnot
0: yeah it's really cool and you know the piece that you brought up i think is when i think of that era of tiso that's uh that chronograph is what i think of and then you know i look at okay, the prices are, are not inexpensive. And the other thing is you have to be careful when buying these watches, don't you?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the, as you said, the 321 or the, the 27 crow is is first of all, not a, a simple movement. So you have to find a, a trained watchmaker who can work on it. Um, the dial can, can uh, fall apart. Again, we talked about this because of the loom and because of its age and of course the hands. Uh, The sword hands, it's a very thin uh, frame with a huge flat piece of loom in the middle, which can fall out. Um, Funnily enough, when we were in Dubai, uh, we talked with Christoph from Tudor and he said that, uh, maybe I mentioned this in a previous um, podcast, I don't remember that, he said that he had a Tudor snowflake (laughs) and he, he lost the loom while riding his bike. So Mike, there you go.
0: Yeah, well, my my snowflake is all completely. The hands are completely sealed. They're they're not, uh, yeah, because they fell out so frequently. So these mm-hmm. watches are, yeah, you're right. The, these unsupported loom and and these days, what I don't know if if you've done this, but I've had certain watches sealed from the back, which can be a bit dangerous because it can come through or darken it. But on the other hand. Yeah, if it falls out, you're kind of sunk, aren't you?
1: Yeah. So, yeah.
0: but hey, that's, uh, that's life in the big city with an old watch, right? That's
1: a, that's a struggle, indeed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the struggle is real. <laughs> the
1: struggle is real. <laughs> so what's your last one?
0: Yeah, my last one is, uh, I I guess this would have come before the UFO that I mentioned. So... The last one I mentioned is the Tissot T12 C Star Chronograph Reference 4, or maybe after, numbers after, 40506. And this to me is, it's very 70s. It's a C-cased watch. But this is a really, really neat example of uh, just a, a cool, big, in-your-face '70s case, colorful, 42 millimeter steel chronograph with a manual wind 861 mm-hmm. movement. Again, and <clears throat> when we talked about it before, how you know early on, Omega and Tissot were essentially using the same movements, and then when we get to the '70s. Same thing. I mean, maybe Tiso didn't have access to all the different funky automatics that Omega was was using, but on the manual line side, they were using the same stuff. And I think that this watch, which again, CK style, so typical for the era, not as weird as the UFO, reminds me very much of the Omega Seamaster 145029. Mm-hmm. And those watches are more expensive now I mean they're thousands whereas these t12 40506 you can still find these for I don't know 1500 maybe 2000 if you're talking about something incredible but the dark dial version to me is is stunning and then they made like a, a reference and I, I I'm sure you've seen these it's weird there's a dial but the Kind of where that chapter ring would be, it looks almost unfinished. It's like there's a big space between the dial and the case, and kind of these lines every so often. Um, but that must have been just a, a version that they made for a certain period. And here again, EPSA case, really nice bracelet, or these work well on a strap. Um, I struggle to, you know, find. The supreme advantage of an Omega, aside from it's it's probably the the fancier name, and if you like the colorways of the Omegas and whatnot better, or you're an Omega collector, sure. But I think these Tesos are fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's you you can't go wrong with that. But once you compare it to the Omega, <laughs> the one four five oh twenty nine, then yeah. That's, that looks a little bit cooler than the Tissot, I have to say. But the price is also, as you said, not in the same category.
0: Yeah, it, it's, uh, but, you know, just looking at the dark dialed version, it's... Um,
1: By the way, is there a difference in the reference, do you know, between the the dark and the... What was the reference again for the what you picked?
0: So, what I picked is the 40506, and that looks like it has a black dial with orange. and. Yeah, it's uh, got an orange tacky scale, two orange hands on the sub dials and one white one. So, I mean, they put a lot into this watch. It, it, yeah. uh, it doesn't really, it doesn't feel like a cheap watch. And then you look up at the Omega and it's uh, it's also really nice. But yeah, they they, they have this, uh, if you look up the uh, 40506, like I said, there's kind of a, a model that, I don't know, they call it the base one thousand, and I'm not exactly sure what that scale is doing there. I didn't research that, but it doesn't have a tachometer scale. Instead, the whole outer ring is yeah. has these big applied indices. It's it's kind of a wild looking piece. And at, at a distance you almost think it's unfinished or it's missing like an extra ring. But neat watch. So
1: Yeah. And this is that's also where uh it's not as not as Funky as the as the ufo um mm-hmm. in terms of colors and in terms of size i mean how big is the ufo again was it 40 44 you said right yeah
0: 43 and a half
1: and, and i think this is the same right around it's the same 40
0: size. 42 but i think the lug the yeah, lug's around fair.
1: 45 or so so yeah, i i had uh, i had seen this one uh, a friend of mine had it so i i, I wore it for a few days um, i could N- never get used to it um again this is yeah just like the T12 I, it, here you can see it, it's even more uh, even smaller than i mean the dial looks much smaller because of the the bezel right the mm-hmm. T12 had a big bezel but this one is or like this outer rim and this one is is huge yep so yeah it, it's very difficult it was very difficult for me to get used to it but um but yeah it's a I, big
0: big mutton chop kind of uh style Sideburns yeah. watch from that era, you know.
1: Yeah, and and sometimes you come across some with uh, that's uh, with a with a, a white outer dial. Uh, I mean outer bezel. Sorry, I'm not sure if it's original, yep. but I've seen a few of those. But with the same reference, this is why I was asking if.
0: Yeah, so that's that's the base one thousand I was referring to. Yeah, it has, it yeah. has a different measurement scale inside, yeah. and that's a unique looking watch. So.
1: It is, and that also looks very Omega esque. Mm-hmm. I agree. If you ask me, with the white bezel and the the black dial, yeah, huge yeah. case back on uh, a huge case, and you and you flip it over, you can see how how long the lugs are. Uh, and you take off the case back with the the, the sailing boat on it. I think out of all that you pick, ah, no, I, I want to say this the one I love the most, but no, because it's the eight seventeen, but. But uh,
0: of of watches yeah. that you can buy, I guess you probably like this one better than the UFO. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: probably. But the UFO, I, I as I said, I, I also have to love its size and and the, the colors and uh, especially when you look at the the white base color with the black subdials and the blue with the red with with partly red bezel, partly white bezel. So is that, yeah? It's it's just a lot of um, a lot of interesting features and 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 you know fun aspects on on all watches i have to say so
0: so by the way the um t12 nobody really knows what it stands for but i was reading a a really cool article today where the suggestion was teso 12 atm meaning 120 meters on the uh on that series and then pr apparently stands for particularly
1: resistant <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> kind of wild right so
1: yeah i mean yeah it's a nice name anyways yeah but it could be
0: so what do you got for your last one
1: yeah so to finish off uh i have um one from the 50s it's not the oldest one but it's uh it's a very very um Pretty famous watch, uh, I think. Yeah, I guess, and and it's it, it's also the godfather of the line because I think that was the first time Tissot used the name Navigator. Mm. And that's the 1951 Tissot Navigator World Time, mm. and because um, I have a Navigator, we talked about this, and I said I'm almost worried. And that Navigator actually comes, that line comes from from this this model, and so this is the um, the reference 4002-1, and If you've not seen it, I'm sure you've seen the re-edition because Tissot did it a few years ago. And you can still buy the watch for uh, 1,500 euros. Classy. Yeah. So it's coming from 1951. This is when Tissot released this model. And it's basically um, a GMT, like a world timer. Mm -hmm. And um, it comes in a a 36-millimeter case. Uh, You could get it in a steel case, you could get it in a gold, and maybe in a gold plated case as well, with the caliber 28.5 dash N21 inside, which is a a bumper automatic Mm -hmm. movement with a sweep second hand. And this movement was made between 44 and 53, so it's really early to mid 50s watch. And uh, the 28, uh, 28 line has a bunch of calibers in the the 28.5 as the again as I said the sweep second hand um, bumper automatic version um, and so but that's not really important the the important thing is is the dial is the look so the funny thing is the watch has a steel bezel and um, the time keeping I guess for the timekeeping for the local time you use the steel bezel right? Mm-hmm. the steel bezel has the, the numerals 2, 4, 6, 8, 10 and 12 and then for 1, 3 um, 5, 7, 9 and 11 you have little um, upside down triangles and, and it's it looks like a time only watch but then the dial itself consists of an inner dial and an outer dial, the outer dial is a 24 hour dial which is not moving and the inner dial has the um, the cities or the time zones printed on them and on it, and that spins, so that rotates. Um, and so, what you can do is you can pull out the crown and uh, set the, the the time zone, set the inner dial, and then once that's done, there's a little corrector. You can, I think, you can push the corrector, and then you can set the hands to the local time, <laughs> and then you're good to go.
0: Sounds uh, and then rather high tech for
1: 1951. Fifty yeah 50. exactly exactly. so it's pretty cool you can you can i guess you I don't know you you set uh you know you know how to set a word timer obviously sure. you you set uh you set it to I don't know sometimes people set local the the main hands to local time and the the GMT to home, sometimes the other way around, um whatever you fancy, I think it's a uh, it's a pretty ingenious complication, and uh the watch is beautiful. Um this one from the 50s is pretty pricey it's around 3 to 5k um, or even more and again the re-edition is uh, 1500 it's a bit different obviously the the, the movement is not automatic it's chronometer certified um but the overall look and the the complication itself with the inner rotating dial is is exactly the same
0: mm. So how how are these movements from the fifties? Are they robust or not so much?
1: I mean, this is a seventeen joule movement, and nineteen thousand eight hundred vph, forty hours of power reserve. So it's okay, I guess, for the for for the time. So for for the fifties, it was a. Uh, but it's it wasn't.
0: How's the mechanism to set everything? Is that is that mm. troublesome?
1: I I wouldn't I wouldn't trust too much with that to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, I've watched some videos, and the guy was showing, and he said you can set it to, to, uh, to the to the whatever city, and then when you p- press in the crown, it like kind of flips like two, three millimeters left or right. Yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you not, know,
0: but th- not that I, accurate. If I'm not mistaken, they made this watch in a gold case with a black dial, right? Back in the day. Yeah
1: yeah i think so there's a there's a number of versions and also there were uh i think a bunch of different dial uh or like time zone um uh, versions or prints mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure how many existed all in all because you don't really see them too often anymore um i think when you do you see the the gold pieces or the gold plated pieces yeah and uh, not not really the steel and some of them the 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 fixed part of the dial so the twenty four hour scale is is more yellow the inner dial the rotating dial is more white I'm not sure if that's just a uh you know time thing like it discoloring or it it was how it was designed sometimes you see um, kind of like a pump pusher for the corrector sometimes it's just a corrector um i'm i really I'm really not sure but it's definitely a, a beautiful piece um and I would love to see one in real life. I haven't even seen the re edition one, much less this one. So
0: it would yeah, be nice to, I, I, to see one. If I have, it's been a long, long time. But they are truly attractive watches. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a fantastic choice. And here again, the uh, signature, which is down way down by six o'clock, is mm-hmm. fantastic. And you know, weirdly, it reminds me, um, just in looking at a steel version here, the case design and the way the bezel is oddly it reminds me a little bit of the uh, Glycine Airman.
1: Yeah, true. Yes, exactly. You have these thick but long and straight lugs, right? Mm-hmm. And a, and the super round. I mean, it's stupid to say super round, but it's really it's not not oval, not not uh, kind of moved in any direction. It's a it's a perfectly round case, like a fin ish bezel and the long long lugs <laughs> yeah it could be could be, or it could be a very early omega Seamaster from the 50s if you look at those with the, yeah, i have one true. of those with the bumper automatic movements and the thick fat lugs could be very similar to that yeah great pick great pick. yeah thank you and if you don't like it if you can get it get the get the re-edition because it's still up for sale yeah good idea
0: well, Balash, I enjoyed talking Tiso with you.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. It's, uh, yeah. it's a great brand, a lot of history, cool models. Um, I'm sure we've missed many interesting ones. We could do an episode two and three, even.
0: Well, I think our our buddy Nacho even wrote a note, uh, an article recently about a Tiso he'd like to see come back, didn't
1: he? Yeah. I had one of those when I was still living in Scotland and I, hey, I bought it and then I didn't like it. I wanted to sell it. And for the love of God, I could not sell it. Nobody wanted that piece. Not true. Where was he? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he bought it. I don't know. It it was a long time ago. And now, man, it's, I look at these, watch. it's a 7734 with the date and it's like 800,000, 1,200, which I think is a bit too much for it, but times change. That they do.
0: But, yeah still all in all I think with Tiso there's still some good deals out there and
1: yeah for yeah, sure
0: strange absolutely st- strange brand that gets overlooked by collectors but there's a lot of value there so
1: and if you're a fan of modern Tiso um, and you're a fan of American sports then Tiso is the official timekeeper of the NBA amongst many other other and uh, uh, leagues and next week is all-star weekend
0: mm-hmm and Alpine Cars, they're doing something with. Oh, me. yeah. There so, you go. Exactly.
1: Cool a yeah, little yeah, timer. So. Yes, yes.
0: Well, Balash. Mike. I wish you a fantastic rest
1: of your day. Thank you. You too. And uh, same goes for the weekend. Hopefully, we have some sun. And uh, that's going to help you with your ride. Yeah. Let us know next week how it went. I'm really curious. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe when you pull out your other car now it's time for <laughs> for a drive down to good old because the city is missing you man i'm telling oh, you the silence <laughs> the silence is missing you <laughs> all right
0: well with that mike is out
1: Well, I is out